Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Um, Jane and I, we're going to the States tomorrow for three weeks on holiday, um, but we're going to go and see Joe, our eldest son, and uh, his family, uh, Jess, his wife, and the three, our three grandkids. Um, and, and other friends that we've got there in that area. Um, so we're, we're going off. So all I want to do for 15 minutes is, is just share a little bit of, of what's going on in me, but also what I, what I kind of understand and see God is doing. Um, so this isn't a, a message as such. Uh, if I'd had longer, we would have touched a bit more on Romans 8, which is the chapter of Romans that we're going into for the next few weeks. So other people are going to speak on uh, going through Romans 8 over the next few weeks. Um, but I just want to read, uh, I just want to read something out of Philippians chapter 3. If I sit down and, and stick to my notes, I'll stick to 15 minutes. But if I don't, we will be here till lunchtime. So um, Philippians 3, uh, verse 7, there's quite a few verses I'm going to read, but what I'm reading is, is really the essence of who we are as kingdom faith, okay? This is, this is the underlying heartbeat of who we are. And all of this stems from uh, Pastor Colin and his life and, and those that initially in the early days of kingdom faith were with my parents and... and what the foundation and the root system is of who we are. And that maybe explains why we, we've got to live in the now, today, um, of what God is doing, but we're always pressing on for more. Why, why we have such a persistence in wanting to know God see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and all of that stuff. And, and why on one level we have quite a, uh, if I can put it this way, quite a demand um, in the right way upon how we live as believers. We, we don't ever want to be another church. that We just go through the motions of turning up on a Sunday to go to a meeting, a service, or just being in a group in the middle of the week because that's what the church does. Uh, we don't ever just want to go through the motions of going to church, going to a group. We live our lives, but God's in there somewhere. We, we, oh, we never ever want to be a people like that. And I know hopefully all of you don't want to live like that either. Um, but I just want to read these verses, okay? So this is Paul, the apostle, uh, who's becoming a great friend of ours as Kingdom Faith. As we're going through Romans, hopefully you, 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 you're getting to know Paul and he's becoming a friend, the Apostle Paul, right? The amount of Romans we're getting into. So he says this, he says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, which was his background, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, which is our context, that we, our life has to be a life of faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Some translations say is by faith alone, which it is. Verse 10, uh, I want to know Christ. This, this, is, this is the heartbeat of who we are right here. I want to know Christ, not know Christ. I want to know Christ. Okay, I don't just want to know about him. I want to know him. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, which is the, his resurrection life and all that means. I want to know him in his resurrection life. Okay, Uh and the fellowship, this is a toughie, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. What's Paul saying? I want to be so at one with you that I don't, even if I have to suffer for the gospel, even if I have to go through persecutions, trials and opposition, I want to be so at one with you, even if I have to share in sufferings, persecution, becoming like you, him in his death. What does that mean? It means I don't mind if I totally have to die to everything of myself in my life. If that's what it means to gain Christ and to know him, that's what I, that's what I want. Verse um, 11. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And what does he mean? He means I want to live in the fullness of the life of who Jesus is. That's what he's talking about, the fullness and uh, not that I've already obtained all this. He said, I, I'm, I'm learning, I'm on the way. I'm, I'm trying to, not striving in a, in a self way, but he said, I'm seeking to take hold of everything that Christ has taken hold of me for. It's, it's like a life pursuit that he had as, 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 a, as a believer. Now, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it or all of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is, that's what freedom is all about. Dealing with anything that would try and hold me back and all of that, forgetting what is past, letting go of it all, dealing with it all and, and reaching out in the now for what is ahead, but living in the now, but, know, but knowing there's more that God's going to do. In, in that sense, forgetting what is behind and straying towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. He understands I live on the earth, but I'm living for something more eternal than just the temporal. But I'm living to see the eternal come into the temporal now, to see God's purposes happen now. But I'm also living in a way that if I live like this now, then I'll come into more of it tomorrow. Not I'm living waiting for something that's going to come tomorrow because when you get to tomorrow, you're still waiting for the next day. Where I'm seeking to take hold of everything of who I am in Christ and He is in me today so that tomorrow I then come into more of that and see more of that take place through my life. All of this then, all of us then who are mature should take a, such thing, a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. What does that mean? It means God has given us the fullness of who he is. God cannot give us more than he already has. And so what he's saying here is only let us live up to what we have already attained. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't do this life without him. So, uh, right, let's carry on. Join with others in following my example, brothers. And just as you 
you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So he's saying people are living in a way that God never intended, never wanted, but this is how many are living. And he's um, obviously he's saying we, we want to reach these people, but in this context, but our citizenship is in heaven. We don't live for all those things. We've been saved from them. And what we want to do is see others saved from them. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our identity is in heaven. Our identity is not determined by what is going on now around us. Our citizenship, identity, everything that comes from there and is there. We eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. I love that, the way he sees the church. Just love that. I'm like, Father, give me that heart for every the church like you have. You know, my joy, my crown. That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Okay, so that's the heart, the essence of who we are. Okay, need to move on because time's ticking. But you you get what I'm saying, right? Just want to share a couple of things now then um, in terms of current. Um, Jane and I were meeting with some leaders from around the nation a few weeks ago. And uh, it was 24 hours praying together, sharing together. What's God doing? What's he saying? How are we responding to that? And uh, a good friend of ours, he's been here. He's spoken here, Stephen Matthews. He's been at faith camp. He shared for a few minutes. He was asked to share for 10 minutes on focus. How do we focus as leaders uh, during this time? And he just read 2 Timothy 3 verse 14, shared for a few minutes. And, and, and that really got me thinking. Um, and I'll share some bits that God's been doing in me as, as a result of this and that speak into just generally what's happening now. It's really simple. Paul says to Timothy, in the face of challenge, in the face of opposition, in the face of Timothy needing to stand with the word and what that means and preaching, teaching, living a life that was very opposite to the culture and the context of the Roman Empire and everything that was going on at that time. This is what Paul says to Timothy. In the context of, let me give a context so it'll make more sense. So the last two and a half years, COVID uh, and all that that has brought in different ways, uh, the challenge to mental health, the challenge to the status quo of this is what life's been like for so long and now everything's been shifted and shaken. A lot of conspiracy theories coming out during that time about all sorts of things from all sorts of people, whether they're saved or unsaved. Um, let's be a little bit with this. Some of, some of the prophetic that has been declared and spoken over the last few years, some of it's been from God and some of it is, let's, be, let's put it this way, it's been more politically co- connected than heavenly connected um, in that way that's brought confusion and focus not on God, but on a person and other things. Then we've got all the current things of inflation, energy crisis, prices, the war in Ukraine uh, and all the other issues and challenges that are, are going on. 
in the face of that, divisions within churches, people leaving churches uh, over whether you should be vaccinated or not, um, people falling out with each other over prophetic things and, and stuff, or let's call it pathetic things, um, in terms of just how people have got totally sidetracked by things, you know, and um, people leaving church, leaving not just their church, but the church. People saying, you know, just staying at home, connecting into 50 different churches online. Or I can just be a believer at home on my own now. It's like the enemy is seeking to take people out, to steal, kill and destroy, to divide and conquer, all of that. And, and uh, let's just, in the, in the face of that, lots of new people come in. So people, when I, when I say lots of people haven't come back to church, I don't mean just come back on a Sunday. I don't just mean here, but in lots of churches, everywhere. Every person that, that, that we met with, all these leaders we met with, everybody said the same thing, that all their churches and church networks, people just haven't come back. They've disappeared. Even though, where are you? How are you? What are you doing? They've just gone off the end of the planet. I found something better to do. I'm doing this now. I'm doing that now. I'm doing the other now. Or there's just no response. Um, it's like, okay. But yeah, everybody's saying, but yet new people are turning up. They connect online and they just turn up. I'm part of this church now. We've never met you. Well, I just want to be part of this thing. We've had that here. Loads of churches are having that. There's a massive sifting that has been going on. And this verse, 2 Timothy 3, 14, just this in the context of what I've just said. This verse Continue in what you have learned and, ha and have become convinced of. There's a difference between what you've learned and what you know and then the convictions that you live by. So let's put it like this. The conviction, the thing, the way that you and I are living now are the convictions that you had before COVID and before all the current things that are going on now. The things that you thought were convictions that you're not living to now were never convictions. They were knowledge, but they, you weren't convinced and convict, con, had a conviction about those things. What you believe, you live. What we believe, we live. We know a lot, but we don't necessarily live all of that out. And this side of COVID and everything else going on and, and how we're seeking to live our lives, there's a huge sifting going on. What is genuine in our lives we are seeking to live? Uh, let's, there's, there's a lot more talk around the nation at the moment about revival. And... Uh, and people, there's a lot more prayer going on to do with revival. And, but the, in, in essence, the prayer is God send revival because we need it, send revival. And the heart is totally, people want a move of God in our nation. But any move of God starts in here. We, we can pray for a move of God, whatever we mean by that, or God send revival or whatever. But we can't concentrate on a move of God in the nation. What you need to do and what I need to do and what we need to do is concentrate on a move of God in here. 
If there is a move of God in you, in me, in the church, if there's a move of God in there, there will be a move of God out there around your life. See, everything God does is sovereign, everything. So yesterday in freedom, in the ministry times, what he was doing in people, the testimonies you've heard, it was, it was God doing something sovereign in someone's life. But it didn't come out of nowhere. It's, it's people aligning their lives with the word. God speaks through his word. We align, we respond, whatever that looks like, repent or believe or surrender, submit. I don't know, whatever that looks like. And then God does something sovereign. He forgives, he cleanses, that's sovereign. He deals with shame, that is sovereign. That's just as sovereign as God sending his spirit to transform a nation. For God it's one and the same thing. It's as easy for him to deal with shame and guilt as it is to transform a nation. It's no different for him. So we, we need to focus on what is God doing in me? So there's a move of God in me. When there's a move of God in you, there's a move of God around you, in your home, in your family, in your friendships, in your peer group, in your friendship groups. Things begin to leak out when there's a move of God in here. And as we respond to God in that way, and there's a move of God in here, there's a move of the Spirit in here, then God begins to do something sovereign around our lives. Imagine what the church, the church would look like if we pressed into God and instead of saying, God, send revival, we said, God, revive me, do whatever you need to do in me. So there's a move of God in me. What would a move of God look like around the church, around his people? Now, God is moving in a fresh way in the nation. I, I in amongst all the, op, the challenge, sorry, it's 11.32, just a few more minutes. Um, in, in terms of what God's doing, all of the guys we met, they were all excited about what God was doing. And whether people are praying, send revival, do this, do that, the other, what there is, there's a hunger that is growing in, in the church in some places. There's a lot of talk about the new God. Yeah, there's a new thing, new thing, new thing, new thing. We'll come to that in a moment. There's a lot of talk about wineskins. What is the new wineskin? What's the new thing that God is doing? And, and we often default then to what does it look like? What's the structure? And, and God doesn't pour wine. What does wine mean biblically? Two things. Wine is connected to his blood, the blood of Jesus. The other analogy of wine in the Bible is to the Holy Spirit. Okay, two things, the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Wineskin is not about a structure. It's about, it's about you and I. You and I, we are the wineskin that he puts his spirit in, or if we put it this way, pours his wine in to our lives. And Jesus gives this thing in Matthew chapter, whatever it is, in, um, I haven't written it down, but it's somewhere, Matthew 11 or somewhere, 13, somewhere like that, where he talks about the, the wineskin and the wine, the new wine and everything. And he says, you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. You have to put it into a new thing. Why? Because a, wine, a new wineskin is supple, it's flexible. 
when God puts something, when he puts himself, when he's doing something new and fresh, then we have to work with him. We have to be move with him. We have to, because he's fermenting something at this time in us as we respond to him. So that as he pours out what he's, what he's bringing to, into being, people are going to want it. Want him, not it, but they're going to want him in a fresh way. It doesn't mean they don't want him now, but, and we're waiting for something, but we've got to allow, we've got to work with God. So, the wineskin is you and I. He's pouring out his wine, okay? But the structure is not just looking for a new shape. He's looking for people. He's looking for people that are available, agile, willing, flexible to respond to him in terms of what he wants to do. The, the question's out there a moment. Is it small? Is it this? Is it that? What does it look like? And all of that. And what happens in the church when, when things are happening in the world, we easily pendulum, we, we swing like a pendulum sometimes. Say, well, God's been doing that and now he's going to do all of this. And we swing like a pendulum and say, That's, if you're not doing this now, you're not doing what the Holy Spirit's doing because he's not doing that anymore. He's doing this. And what happens is we then put God in a box over here because we say God is now doing this. And if you're not doing this, you're missing God. That's condemnation. That's judgment on people. Look at the ministry of Jesus. He had three. He had 12. He was in a group of 12. He had three he really invested in. He had 12 that he was part of a group and invested in. There were 70, 72, whichever gospel you read. He had 70 or so that he also invested, discipled and then sent out. But he also had 500 that he appeared to after the resurrection. What does that tell you? It tells you that God does three. He does 12. He does 70, 72. He does 500. He does the real small relationships around. He does the group thing. He does the congregation. He does the bigger church gathering. He does the multitude. Jesus is doing it all. It's not one size fits all. It's not going to be. That's the new thing. It's, is something new and fresh happening in me? Am I hearing God? Am I responding to him? Am I an, allowing his spirit to transform my life in a fresh way? Am I available? Am I willing to him to change my schedule, my mindsets and everything around so that my life revolves around people because people are God's purpose and God works his purpose out through people. Let's put it this way. So, Last Sunday, we had a completely different type of morning. Every congregation, amazing time. We weren't set up like this. We had all sorts of stations. God was ministering, meeting with people, changing lives, doing all sorts of things. Yesterday, completely different context, freedom. It's, 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 it's nuts how it is, but yet God moves powerfully. Sometimes you turn up and there's tables. I know some of you don't like it, but sometimes there's tables. Why? Because we want to be together. We, we want to look at one another, not just look at a screen at the back behind the person preaching. Um, we want to share life. Sometimes there's rows. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how it's set up. It really doesn't matter. What matters is when we gather together, whether we're in a row or around a table or there's no rows or tables and it looks completely different, it doesn't matter. What matters is when we're together, we meet with God, we meet with one another, we love one another, we trust one another, we connect with one another. It, it's, it's, you know... <clears throat> Let's just not hold on to certain things, okay, in certain ways. Um, it's not about going to church, it's about being the church. 
It's not about rocking up here and going to church and is it going to be good today or not? One of the shifts, the fundamentals, and, and it's, it's, you draw a line from Jesus and you draw it to now. It's the same line. He said, go and make disciples. And we get so transfixed on what is the new, what is the new, what is the new, that we end up, wait, what's the new, what's the new? And what, is, what does Paul the Apostle say to Timothy? Continue in the things that you have learned and have become convinced of. What is that? Make disciples. Invest in people. Love people. Love, doesn't matter who they are, what they look like, whether, they, whether they're natural people you connect with or not. It doesn't matter whether they're your cultural kind of connection or not. I mean, we're such a bunch of people meeting here today. You're sitting next to people today that you never would in normal life, right? Why? Because God brings together. Look at the disciples, the weirdest bunch of guys you could put together. You know, I'm not calling you weird, but he, he, he just brings together people. You just, and we love each other. We serve each other. We want the best for each other. We're championing each other. If somebody's making a mess of it, how can I help you come out of that? And, and, and the other way around when we mess up. Do you know what I mean? That's what we're here for. And that's why we're here to help so many in the world who don't, just don't know which way's up at the moment. And we don't go with judgment, condemnation or criticism. We come humbly saying, here, here, by the grace of God, I come you know, or go or whatever, and, and in that sense. So a couple of things we need to pray and then whatever we need to do next. First thing, we need to cultivate intimacy. Without intimacy, you're going to get taken out in these days. You are going to get run over by what's happening in the world. Intimacy with Jesus. What happens then? You hear his voice. When you hear his voice in intimacy, you discern what's going on, what's going on, what's happening, Okay. And, and in that, we surrender our lives in a fresh way. That, that is probably the most important thing you could do at the moment. It's just surrender to him. Surrender to him. Listen to him. Hear from him. And uh, in that, there's t then two things. There's a call to prayer and there's a call to action. That God is calling the church to pray. Without prayer, nothing significant ever happens and won't happen. We want to be more than just a few people that pray prayers. We want to be a praying people. There's a trumpet blast from heaven coming to kingdom faith at the moment and he's calling us to be a people of prayer. Okay, there's a call to prayer. But there's also a call to action and what that's going to mean, making disciples. So here's a couple of questions. What is your three? What's your three? Jesus had three, Peter, James and John. What's, what's your three? Who are you doing life with? Opening up your heart and life with. Who are you champion? Who are you you know, who do you open up to? Who can you say, your phone and say, can you help me? I'm having a really bad day, tough day and, and or whatever, or life's good or whatever. You know, this is going on in my heart and my head. I just want to confess it. And, and James 5, whatever verse it is, 16, I think, if we confess to one another our sins, we be, we're health, health, healed and healthy. That's healthy. Um, who's your three? Who's your 12? Who's your 12? And what I mean by that is not just what group are you in because we're in a group. But who's your 12? Who are you connected into relationally that you're sharing life, doing life, championing? Some of that can be geared around purpose. And we'll pick up some of this uh, over the summer, coming into the autumn, what this is all going to look like, okay? There's three, there's 12, there's 72. There's more than 72 in here. But there's, there's a bigger context of, of being part of something. Then there's the 500, the bigger thing. God's doing all of that. But <clears throat> for our own lives, who's your three and who's your 12? Turning up on a Sunday, anywhere, not just here, but any church, it's just not going to do it anymore in terms of just going to church. 
I, oh, I'd love to read it to you, but it's 11.40. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm just going to read. If you need to get your kids and bring them down here, just bring them in. If there's lots of noise in here, it doesn't matter. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, so if your kids, if you, do, if you haven't got your kids, you do need to go and get them, all right? <laughs> and bring them in here, just so that the guys aren't left trying to look after them for a few minutes. Is that all right? I just want to read you something. This is from um, Andrew Boyd, who's on the leadership team of the Worthing Congregation. This might sum up better than everything I've just said in a few minutes, and then we could have finished. Um, he had a really unusual dream, OK? This is what he said. I was a car manufacturer trying to make a brand new car, or perhaps I was observing closely someone who was. The problem was the parts would not stay assembled. They kept reforming themselves at will. That was baffling enough, but then suddenly everything assumed total plasticity. First the components would not stay rigid, then the hands that were making them became plastic. The tools they were trying to use left deep impressions in their hands, which had turned into a kind of Play-Doh or plasticine. It was like watching Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes. It was comic, it was alarming, it was bizarre and it was frustrating. I wondered how you would go about trying to build anything, now everything had changed. As I surfaced, the thought occurred to me, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, God, are you speaking to me? What are you doing at this moment? And the, this thought occurred to me, what would you do if everything suddenly changed? Well, it is changing. What would, you, would you embrace the change or would you resist? Would you make the best of it and adapt to it? Or would you try to go on as before? Would you try to to stay the same or do everything the same way? Would you be flexible enough to embrace that paradigm change? Would you regard change as a threat or as an opportunity? There have been paradigm shifts that have changed everything. Social media is one. Electronic publishing is another. The pandemic is another. War in Europe is another. Global warming is another. Global instability, financial insecurity is another. The questions occurred to me, what would you do if you no longer had to make money or you no longer could spend money? Um, I felt the Lord ask me, how flexible are you? The dream was strange enough and the questions arising from it clear enough to persuade me to get out of bed and capture those thoughts. I feel the Lord provoking me to be adaptable rather than resistant to change. The Bible tells us to make the best of every opportunity that night is coming and while it's still day, we must work. It tells us that while we may not know the day or the hour that Jesus is coming, that we should recognise the direction of travel and be alert and filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is Matthew 5, 13, 5, 15 to 18. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honour, purpose and courage, shunning... Uh, everything that tolerates and enables evil, not as unwise, but as wise, be sensible, intelligent, discerning, making the very most of your time on earth, recognising and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtful, but understand and firmly grasp what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, corruption, stupidity. This is the... the uh, amplified version, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, constantly guided by him. John 9, 4, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent us. Night is coming when no one can do the work. And then he goes on and speaks about all sorts of different things in this word that we haven't got time for. We'll stick it on the website or Kingdom of Faith Facebook, you can go and read it there. 
uh, the rest of it. But what he's saying is, and he lists different things in the Bible where, where God meets with somebody and there's total change, but they respond to it and then God moves. But when God reveals himself and they don't change, and there's total resistance and then God has to go and find someone else and he picks them and then they respond and then there's a release through, through their lives. And, and um, basically what, what he's saying, that the essence of this word is, are we available? Are we adaptable? Are we resistant in any way? There's loads of change going on and, and we don't change to the change, but we allow God to change us to be more like him because God's not changing. And he won't change. He, what he's saying before COVID is, is no different to what he's saying now. And you might say, well, there's been loads of other prophetic words. God's plan hasn't changed. God's purpose hasn't changed. What he's doing hasn't changed. The circumstances in the world have changed, but God is still doing the same thing. Saving, healing, delivering, setting people free, transforming lives, all of that. And that's who he's called us to be making disciples, loving one another, laying our lives down for each other and making the most of every opportunity. Um, and so we're going on holiday for a few weeks and uh, we're going to still be pressing into God and everything he, he's going to do. Let's stand together, shall we? Here's a question for you. Just close your eyes. Am I simply just going to church, going through the motions, or am I pressing on to know Jesus and all that he wants to do in me and through me? If not, what needs to change in my heart and my thinking? That's just a question. We haven't got time to fully respond to that now. So I just want you to spend some time in the next few days. Just, just answer that question. Father, show me any way in which I'm just going through the motions. I'm resistant to change in terms of your changing me. Things are changing, but how you want my life to fit in with what you're doing needs to change. It's not business as usual any longer. What would it be like if we couldn't meet in a building? And, and, and all I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but maybe one day it might. Is our Christianity 24-7? Or is it Sunday morning with one night a week? And then God somewhere is in our lives. I mean, he says some things in this word here about spending time with the Lord. If, if I, I can't say it in the way he did it, because it's like just having a quiet time doesn't do it any longer. I spend a few minutes with Jesus. Hopefully I can get through the day and make it till the next morning where I can have a cup of coffee and a quick chat with Jesus before going through the day. He's like, it's just not going to work. We're going to get mown over. And that's what he basically says. We're just going to get knocked over. We just won't last. We won't stand. And so, Father, I just thank you that you, you transform us by the renewing of our minds. Holy Spirit, enable us to discern what you're doing in these days. Father, we are that wineskin. We are the light of the world. Your word in our mouth is just as powerful as your word in your mouth because it's the same word that you want to release to one another, to those that don't know you. You said, let there be light and things were released. You're saying to us, I want you to speak my word and my life to one another, to others. And it's going to be like the same word in my mouth is going to be the same in your mouth. You're going to bring life to others, not death, but life. Life in all its fullness. That's what freedom is. It's just constantly speaking life to people and they, they, they receive that life. 
One final thing. God is wanting us to open the doors of our lives in a new way, fully wide open. There are things that go on in this building throughout the week, but they're not, the doors are not fully open. But from the beginning of September, the doors of this building are going to be open fully Monday to Friday. And there's already some things that are going to be happening and going on. But just in terms of reaching the community, being a place, we don't focus our lives around a building, but it's just one expression. And God's been talking to us about that. And we've even been asked to open the building during August for uh, certain groupings of people in the community and all of that, because they need a place to meet, a safe place. They need other things. And we're like, yeah, of course, just come and be here. And many of these people don't know Jesus. You and me, we are the light of the world. Jesus said that. So Father, I just thank you for the, the grace of your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we need you. Help us to be agile, flexible, adaptable, all of that that you are doing and saying it these, these, these days and what that means. Father, help us to find the three, the 12, that we can open up our hearts and life, sharpen each other like iron sharpens iron. Be there for one another like we are on, on one level, but even more so. Be part of a 12 that we can equip and train and share life with and then bring others into and disciple. Father, I thank you for the small, the, the real micro, the three, the small, the 12, and then the slightly larger, the 72, and then the 500s. Father, we thank you. The, the church looks like all of that. It's not just going to be, that's the new. The new is 3, 12, 70, 500 and more because that's what God does. And so, Father, we just thank you. Father, I just speak your blessing over every person here, every person online, the congregations connecting in. Father, we just release every person to be who they're called to be in these days, in this hour. Help us to, like we said for Fraser and I, have that spiritual backbone in our lives that helps us stand and stay true to you in the days that we're in. Father, we thank you for that dynamic of faith, but it, it's got to be expressed in love. Has to be. Otherwise, we're just clashing cymbals and sounding gongs. Father, we want to be faith and love in your hands, distributing out to people that we know, whether saved or unsaved. We thank you, Jesus, in your mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 <laughs> Guys, have a, have a great few weeks. Be really, really blessed. We'll, we'll do a video while we're there on the beach with our grandkids and we'll send that <laughs> and you can have a look at that one week. Um, but be really, really blessed, okay, going forward. Let's press into God. Uh, we're going to have an amazing summer, an amazing autumn and everything God's going to do. Amen. All right, bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.